Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of the Lord. As three folks, and actually more, who are, tes- who are here for worship today can testify, I, I tend to be a worrywart. I worry about the books and articles I write and whether anyone's going to find them interesting. I worry about whether Virginia and Charlie are going to get through the day safely at school with all their various activities. I worry about how hard it is for all those who are in their teenage years to grow up in the age of social media. I worry about Union Presbyterian Seminary with church attendance declining across the country and many people deciding they'd rather be on their iPads than plugged into a faith community. I worry about whether enough young people will want to attend seminary and sustain the school I serve and love. More broadly, I worry about our churches in general and how we will navigate the next couple of decades. I worry that resistance to change, what I like to call stubborn nostalgia, this is the way we've always done it here, whether this is going to be a major impediment to innovation and growth. Like all of you, I worry about our city, our country, and our world. Although we avoided tragedy yesterday on Monument Avenue, I worry that people will refuse to listen to each other about white supremacy and various types of racism, including more subtle types that are all too pervasive in Richmond and elsewhere today. I worry about our many brothers and sisters in Richmond who continue to struggle in poverty. I worry about whether we'll ever be able to have a school system in the city that gives their children the same type of opportunity many of us enjoy in the suburbs. I worry about our nation. It seems that we've broken into two tribes, refusing to listen to each other, warring on the cable networks and online, Everything seems political and divisive, and many of us are struggling to figure out how we got here and what can be done to restore civility, compassion, and reason in the way we interact with one another. I worry about whether the anger that has been unleashed can be so easily put back into a bottle. I worry about the world, about North and South Korea and whether violence can be avoided. I worry about about the ravaged people of Syria. I worry about Israelis and Palestinians. I worry about the effects of climate change. 
on people in Florida and Bangladesh. These major worries don't even get into the more trivial stuff, like whether I'm going to have time tomorrow to wash the car, whether the Falcons are going to beat Green Bay tonight, and whether I will finally develop solid technique hitting a golf ball out of the sand trap. Yes, I am a big worrywart, and I know many of you can be as well. You share some of the concerns I just named and have many of your own. Don't worry, I'm not going to continue with anxiety-producing topics that will keep us all worried for a week and more. But it's important to acknowledge our tendencies in this regard and figure out what to do about it. We all have mechanisms for dealing with stress. Meditation, yoga, spending time with family members, binge-watching our favorite shows on Netflix, eating a large chocolate chip cookie, going for a long run or bike ride. When we think about the Christian response to life, I often think of bumper stickers. They don't, they don't often or always do justice to the complexity of the Christian message. They seek to reduce complex theological themes to sound bites, but sometimes they can be felt helpful, and I always make it a point to look at them when I'm driving down the highway and to point them out to my family members. Some of the recent ones I've seen, one of my favorites, one, one of my favorites is Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> my boss is a Jewish carpenter, is another favorite. But I saw one that I want to get for my, maybe not my car, but for my office. Stressed out, question mark, we're open on Sunday. I think this can speak to us tonight. We have to recover church as a place where each of us can re recharge our batteries, where we can spend time with friends of all ages and just be ourselves. Church can and in fact should be a place where we come in with our worries in a big sack and deposit that sack and leave with the knowledge that God is watching over us and we have a community of faith that can help us through our troubles and doubts. Tonight's scripture reading reminds us that worrying is largely futile. Jesus asks a timeless question. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? The message here is simple but important and I think difficult for many of us to follow. Certainly me. Celebrate. Exhale, smile, and enjoy life. These aren't things we tend to give enough attention to in the Presbyterian church. We like to be in control. One of my favorite movies is the one that was made more than 30 years ago called Ordinary People. It's about a young man named Conrad, and he's facing a whole world of problems. He's seen tragedy in his life, and he goes to a therapist, and he sits down, and he says, I want to be in control. I want to be in control of who I see, what happens to me. He wants to be in control of his emotions. And the therapist, who is played with just beautiful, a beautiful role by Judd Nelson, says to him, I'm not really big on control. We can't control what happens to us so much. In one of her more memorable reflections, the late Irma Bombeck 
published a piece entitled, If I Had My Life to Live Over Again. I think it speaks to our lesson tonight. If I had my life to live over, I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa was faded. I would have eaten popcorn in the good living room and worried much less about dirt when someone wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would have never insisted the car windows be rolled up on a summer day because my hair had been teased or sprayed. I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in my dresser drawer. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. There would have been more I love you's, more I'm sorry's, but mostly given another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it and really see it, live it, and never give it back. To Bombeck's list, I would add a coda for our own time and place. I would have cried and laughed less while Facebooking, Googling, tweeting, YouTubing, and Instagramming, and more by spending actual time with family members, loved ones, and simply watching the world go by. When we worry less, When we seek comfort in the friendship of others, we are liberated to serve God and deepen our faith. We are freed to be more constructive people in the world, to be problem solvers. Those who see the glasses have empty rather than half full. This is a scripture reading we should be lifting up to our friends who are non-believers, who see Christianity as irrelevant at best and judgmental at worst. We've reached a point, I don't know if you find yourself having these conversations, I do more and more, where I'm, the, the accusation is made that Christianity is either a crutch or a burden. But Matthew 6 reminds us that our faith does not confine us. It liberates us to exhale, to set our worries aside, to hold hands with our fellow brothers and sisters gathered for worship tonight, and to remember that God is in charge of our lives, not us. Let's make it a point this week to try and banish worry from our minds, to take our hands off the steering wheel that's not literally but figuratively Virginia, (laughs) to remember that God has a plan for each of us and it's our job to try and discern that plan through prayer and kindness to each other. I have a dear friend who I went to Davidson with. It's going to be tough to read, but uh, she was in my class and uh, has two kids my kid's age, and she lost her battle to cancer about about a year and a half ago. She's a huge Patriots fan, and I'm a big Falcons fan, and she's all things sports Boston. So we, we communicated a lot about sports and life, and we were in seminary together at the University of Chicago, so we went actually to undergrad and graduate school together. I was just amazed at how, until her final weekend, Sarah was able to maintain such a positive disposition, to live into the truth of Matthew 6, 25 to 33, up until the very day she died. Um, 
this was her post. She had a running blog, and I want to read it to you. Today is another, this was written from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Today is another gotta be strong day at DFCI. All my friends with advanced metastatic cancer as well as friends with sick children and those with chronic life-threatening conditions know this feeling well. One One must portray and sustain an attitude of hope even as one prepares for the existential pummeling one is likely to receive, followed by the scraping of self off the floor, the wiping away of tears, the squaring of shoulders, and the deep inhale and exhale as one musters the strength to say, okay, I understand, so what are the options? Every day, this is happening to people around you. So if you were so lucky to be spared from this experience as a regular part of your life, just because you were, just because you were a lucky one, because that's the only reason it's not you, you're lucky. Please reconsider before you launch into your next tirade of complaints about the commute, about your annoying coworker, about being single, about being married, about there not being enough days to shop before Christmas, about the wrinkles around your eyes, about all the stuff that contributes to self-created misery. If you're not having a life and death conversation about yourself or someone you love today, then it's a really good day. And even if you are, it can still be a good day. That's my plan. Today's scripture reading gives us all permission to laugh and to remember That being a disciple of Jesus Christ is our greatest responsibility, but also our greatest source of joy. I have a wooden painting I bought in India of inlaid wood of the laughing Jesus. And I I feel like we don't pay enough attention to to Jesus as a source of laughter in our lives. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. As we face decisions this week, as we proceed on matters large and small, let's remember Matthew 6, 25 to 33, because Jesus' message is clear. Quit worrying so much. Work for justice. Be nice to everyone you meet. Show them that being a follower of Jesus is about friendliness and hospitality and not judgment. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Friends, God's driving the bus, not us. And that should alleviate a whole lot of concern and help us maintain our faiths, even during the most uncertain times. Thanks be to God. Amen.